Good morning. This is the Real Estate for Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Phil Coover, partner at Ice Miller's Real Estate Practice Group. Today, I have with me my favorite co-host, Jay Gustin. Jay, thanks for being on the show. Great to be here as always, Phil. And today we have uh, another duo. Uh, we have Stream Realty Partners. We have Brian Duffy, Senior Vice President, and Patrick Russo, the Executive Managing Director of the Chicago office. Brian, Patrick, thank you both for coming on the show. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Yep, looking forward to it, guys. So Stream Realty Partners was uh, founded in Dallas in 1996. We're in Chicago. Tell us a little bit about how uh, Stream Chicago office and what you all are trying to build and just you know, background about the company. And then I'd love to hear a little bit about how you joined the Stream team. Absolutely. So Stream Chicago was founded in 2016 uh, by my colleague and uh, local leadership partner, Victoria Knudsen. She, uh, she was a longtime industrial property management veteran in the Chicagoland area, has roots at Trammell Crow Company, which is where the Stream co-founders came from, uh, and had an opportunity to uh, bring on Victoria to help lead our national industrial property management platform. The great thing about uh, VK, as we call her, is uh, she's a through and through Chicagoan, uh, born and raised in Bridgeport. Uh, at the time of being recruited by uh, Mike McVean, one of our co-founders, she said, I'm not moving to Texas. I'm staying in Chicago. So if you want me, you're opening an office with a property manager. Uh, she's not your average property manager. So uh, she quickly... Uh, built a portfolio of third-party industrial PM in Chicagoland. When I joined in June of 2019, that portfolio was uh, over 12 million feet. And then uh, with really just a group of her, one construction manager and a few property managers that sit in our Rosemont office. Um, so pretty impressive what she was able to build. When, when I came on board, Stream had been looking for uh, some transaction professionals to, for, for Victoria to partner up with. As you guys know, Stream's a full-service commercial operator, so we do leasing, property management, investment development, uh, but we really lead with our uh, our service business. So leasing and PM, it, it's our bread and butter. Um, and she needed some good brokers and transaction folks by her side. Uh, so I met Mike McBean in the winter of 2019. Uh, him and Lee Bellin founded the company in 1996 in Dallas, and um you know, it, it was quickly uh, very clear to me that Stream was a potential sleeping giant in the Chicagoland market. Um, Chicago's always been uh, very pro-operator. Uh, there's a lot of very successful operators on both the industrial and office sides of the business. Um, and it felt like a new player in town that was planning to take on a significant amount of market share in the third-party leasing world and management world would be welcomed in a market that's uh, really always welcomed new people to it. Uh, the difference of the way we set up the Chicago office versus some of other streams offices throughout the country is it's really done been done with Chicago leadership. Oftentimes in some of our other markets, uh, we sent people from Dallas or Houston or Austin to new markets uh, in the Sun Belt to open up new regions. But Given the size and scale of our market, that's that's not the way that our, our company's leadership decided to do it. So that's a little bit about how I got here. Yeah, yeah no, uh, so, I, so I landed here 
probably this is Brian talking probably what uh, 15, 16 months after you had. And so um, I joined the stream Chicago office in October of 2020. Uh, and for me, it was an opportunity to really get into a work stream with a group of people, highly professional and highly sharpened multiple different facets of real estate and you know i'm an office tenor rep by trade however streams platform and the way it has been built is to really allow their professionals to excel at a high level at what they're really good at and what their specializations are however it allows and encourages us to also really start to expand beyond that horizon and learn new facets of the business and really drive into an entrepreneurial spirit um, and so for all of those reasons, I was attracted to what stream had to offer and, you know, also obviously getting in at more or less the ground floor of the Chicago office, you know, we've been open for, um, four and a half years now with BK's opening of the Rosemont office, but the downtown Chicago transaction business is still less than two years old. And so getting in at the ground floor and helping build that, um, was also an incredibly attractive uh, sequence for me. Yeah, so to be clear, uh, I opened our Chicago office at 500 West Madison in the Industrious there in June of 19. Brian, I was, you know, in preparing for the podcast, you know, I was reviewing, uh, you know, Stream's website and materials, and I was struck by, um, you know, the company's core values being so prominently highlighted on the website. You know, the ideas of being smart, nice, honest, and passionate. Uh, some of those, you know, part and parcel of, of the tenant rep business, the brokerage business, you know, but the idea of being nice, the idea of being passionate, the idea of being honest and having those at the forefront. Um, how do you think, how do you in your practice kind of take those core values and, and use it as part of your pitch to prospective clients in a market where you guys are an emerging player and not an established one? Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great question. And quite honestly, it's a very simple answer in the fact that given who we are as a company and what we're trying to do, you know, the nimbleness and ability to be entrepreneurial to really serve a client's best interest while being backed by the resources and the people that are at stream is truthfully, I think, a real, a, a true, a, a real differentiator. Um, you know, when you take those core values, it really tries to align with the end user, you know, the end user, the clients and who we're trying to get to, um, and who we're trying to work with. And, you know, we don't want to go be the, uh, large scale global service provider for the 500 office portfolio. However, we want to go be able to go relate to the folks, um, that want to work with us and work in that mentality. Um, and so that along with the entrepreneurial mindset and the resources that stream has it, I do truly believe is starting to ring true with those on boots on the ground and the folks that we're trying to get to and trying to relate with them on a different level rather than being the largest, you know, widespread global, uh, provider. Yeah, I was really struck. I just want to echo that sentiment. I was really struck by those core values of nice and honest. You don't see that in a lot of businesses these days. I think Mark Cuban had a quote about a year ago that he thought being nice was one of the most undervalued uh, characteristics in business right now. And it resonates with me, and I would say Jay too, even though we've never talked about it, is someone once asked me, like, what's my differentiator as a lawyer? Because there's a lot of smart lawyers. There's a lot of... Um, 
you know, well-educated lawyers, a lot of tough lawyers, but like one of mine is I, I think I'm pretty nice and I try to be nice to people and courteous to people and uh, thoughtful to others as well as honest. And, you know, I think too often those characteristics are assumed or dismissed or not valued. And so I, I, I was also struck by that. I was glad Jay pointed it out to talk about, because I think that those somehow those characteristics that used to be inherent um, became uh, less valued or less sought after. Uh, but I think me personally, that they should be some of, some of the most prominent things that we consider when we consider working with, with other people. And so I was also impressed by that. Yeah. And listen, I mean, at the end of the day, those core values, what, what, what is at the core of those core values, right? It's people. And so at the end of the day, it's, it's a place that, you know, thankfully we've had the fortune to be able to, in a lot of instances, try to choose who we are working with. And, you know, another, another big piece of, of stream is uh, relationships first, then real estate. And so those core values that we're talking about, nice, smart, honest, passionate, really that's at the core of what a real genuine relationship can drive. And so if we can continue to keep that at our core, which is the goal, then really relationships and real estate will all continue to fall right in line with what we're trying to strive to be. Yeah, our, our cultures, I mean, a lot of people spend a lot of time and a lot of companies spend a lot of money talking about culture. I think it's it's definitely one of our X factors. Um, you know, we've got just under a thousand employees throughout twelve markets in the U.S. right now, and it really, if if you if you talk to a handful of us, there'd be a lot of consistencies across the way these people do business, uh, the way they carry themselves in their personal and professional lives. But we spend the majority of our days with the folks that we're working with, whether it's internally or externally in business. So you might as well enjoy getting along with the person you're doing a deal with. You know, we, we don't consider ourselves to be a litigious group. Uh, if somebody messes with us or, you know, does us wrong, we, we like to say we take our ball and we're going to go play with somebody else. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's just not how we roll. So um, something we're really proud of. And something I would encourage our listeners to, to key into too is, there's a there's an incredible video on our LinkedIn page uh, of our two co-founders, Mike and Lee, just kind of talking about this whole spirit of the culture that we're, we're alluding to, being nice, smart, honest, passionate, and then also the focus on talent and how the focus on talent within Stream then embodies the culture. So it's like a three-minute video of Mike and Lee, um, you know, just kind of shooting the shit uh, and uh, one of our towers down in Dallas. And I think that video, the the relationship between the two of them, but then just that whole interaction between the two of them and that conversation, again, on our LinkedIn, I think really does an incredible job of embodying who Stream is and what we're trying to be. I would also say, going back to the original question about how we ended up at Stream, you know, Patrick will tell you, you know, we, we had had multiple conversations, but Watching that video really got me excited about Stream. And whenever I was talking to someone about what Stream was and how it is and who it is, I always point them to that video. No, I, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, for us, you know, Phil and I, when we're out, 
you know, with new clients, you know, our goal, <clears throat> number one is always we're, we're deal makers. We're not deal killers. And our, the value proposition is in deals two, three, four, and five, not just one. And so the importance of building a relationship and, and working with people who you want to work with and who want to work with you makes all the difference. Patrick, you know, Stream has a history in Texas has offices throughout the Southeast, including, you know, hot markets right now in Atlanta, Charlotte, and Austin, and Denver, among others. What did Stream see as the value proposition in Chicago? There's always a lot of discussion about, you know, the viability of Chicago for real estate investment, given some of the uncertainties. What did Stream see uh, in terms of the opportunity here? Um, I, I think, you know, so if, if you look at our, the way we plot out on the U.S. map, we're kind of in what's sometimes referred to in some circles as a smile states. So you draw a line from DC down to Texas and over to California, it sort of forms a smile. And I think I've heard people in our firm commonly refer to Chicago as the, the gap in the smile's teeth. But I think that a part of, a part of why you know, Chicago was a big market is it, it, for us to break into is just because of that, the, the sheer size and scale, um, the, the labor pool that's here, the general demographics of the of the workforce um, and the ability to, to take on size and scale. You know, a lot of trends in our business, they start on the coast, they hit Chicago and they trickle down to everything in between. So um, for us, it's a major emerging gateway market along with LA and uh, DC. Um, and eventually we'll be working our way up the coast, right? So it's it's if you're going to be a major player and operator in our business on a national level, you have to have an office here. Um, it's the single largest industrial market in the country at 1.2 billion, just over 1.3 if you loop in southern Wisconsin and northern Indiana. And our our office markets, you know, over 250 million feet when you include downtown and the suburbs. One thing that I'd like to discuss a little bit as a general theme. Um, is Patrick is just you know your one of your roles is growing Stream Chicago the office and a lot sure that can be getting listings but a lot of that is recruiting good people and it's it's just an interesting challenge and task for that I'm particularly interested in because Jay and I are trying are doing a similar thing here with Ice Miller in Chicago growing Chicago's real estate practice group as well as the firm we're very solid in. Midwest, found in Indianapolis, and a uh, you know, really strong presence in the rest of the Midwest and the East Coast. And we have over 40 lawyers here in Chicago, but a lot of that is, you know, recruiting good people. And we're able to do that, I think, with, with some of the core values we discussed. That's a large part of it. But, you know, what's interesting to me is like you guys are actually, it's really working well for you. You know, in the, just in the past month, we're recording this March 10th, probably be released in April. Um, you know, we've seen several recent wins. You guys have, I'll let you say all of the, the great things, but, you know, you have the listings in 620 North LaSalle. You got the listing in the West Loop for the office building. You recruited a team of uh, real estate professionals over from a major player is, you know, what you're facing is you have all of these established players um, who've been in Chicago for a very long time, global companies. And yet, you know, here you guys are breaking into the, oh, just opening the office four years ago and you're, you're pulling some, some trophy quality listings. You're pulling really great teams, you know, pitch me like I'm a real estate broker or a professional, you know, 
sell me to come on over to stream. How you how are you doing it? This is oh, awesome. Man. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Can I tee you up any better? Just throwing throwing it up there. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm gonna spike it. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, listen. Um, you know what? What do you like about what you're currently doing? I, I think that that's a that's a big question. What do you want to accomplish? What are the things that hold you back? And where do you want to be in a couple of years? You know, if if people are just content and they're comfortable, that's fine for some. But there's a lot of people. The one thing that COVID allowed us as a as a population and as a species is a lot of time to think. Long walks with the dog on conference calls, too many Zoom calls where the camera wasn't on. Um, and, and I think for people who were frustrated, it gave them an, a, an extra reason to pick up a phone call or answer a text or uh, you know, grab a virtual drink with somebody. So look, it hasn't just been our Chicago office. I think collectively as a firm, you know, one of the things we're really proud of is during the last 12 months of this pandemic, uh, which is hard to believe it's going to be a year, right? When the world shut down this Friday, you know, we haven't fired a single person. We haven't furloughed a single person. If anything, we've I, we've grown. We've hired over 35 plus VP and above level executives. Um, we've taken on significant market share in major markets like Chicago, LA, and DC. Um, and we're we're actively growing and and backing up the things we're saying. So I think that message is powerful for people, um, and it resonates really well with somebody who's either stagnant or frustrated or looking for their next move or really what we offer people is empowerment and freedom um, because we're entrepreneurial and we in Chicago right now, most of us are from a certain discipline or skill set. You know, like for me, I was from the principal side of the business on the ownership side, asset management acquisition. So you know, I wasn't stupid enough to think that I could build a significant brokerage house without any real good brokers by my side. I was a licensed broker when I came over here. But as far as my reputation in the market in Chicago, I was seen as an ownership guy. So, you know, when Jess O'Hara, uh, Adam Showalter and Brian Duffy joined and we were all kind of a cohesive unit, I mean, the phone started ringing, literally. Uh, so we've tried to capture that momentum by using our core values to uh, go and find other like-minded individuals who want the opportunity to do something a little different and shake up the market. Brian, one of the questions, right? If you are a if you're a player in this market, you know Stream. But if there are you know one or two aspects of the services that Stream provides uh, that maybe don't always get highlighted or aren't necessarily front of mind, what would those be? And, and what's the what's the pitch to folks as you're trying to introduce them to the to the breadth and the depth of what, what Stream offers? I think a big differentiator of Stream that might not be known right at the front forefront, right? So like, listen, at the end of the day, I, before coming, before really digging into what Stream was, um, before come, making the decision to come over here, I knew Stream uh, from sitting in my seat in Chicago as an downtown office tenor rep. I knew Stream as a third-party boutique leasing agency down in Texas, and that's all I knew them as. And in some respects, that's purposeful, um, but in other respects, it also 
it didn't really allow me to really dig in to learn who stream was until I really spent the time to have some conversations and ask questions to the right people around the country. And then what I really quickly came to find was a huge differentiator from street for stream compared to most other service business is this investment management platform. And this investment management platform that stream um, boasts on a national level for data center office and industrial acquisition and development opportunities is that it also unlocks potential solutions for my tenant clients um, in a way that it can't, it's really unmatched, right? Um, and so it allows us to engage with potential tenant clients on the acquisition and development platform um, and allow them a new way to find an end solution for whatever their requirement is. And so that's a piece of stream that not is not necessarily always at the forefront of the conversation, but it is definitely a differentiator that allows our service business to excel in a way and then symbiotically uh, work with each other from the investment management business and the service business and really excel and you know truly live by the idea of all ships rise together. We like to say that uh, you know we have all the resources of the bigger firms and the brokerage side and just as good of talent. Um, I think that what our opportunity affords people in our business and Brian and I are living, breathing examples is if you want to continue to be uh, a top player in your area of expertise, office tenant rep or deals or office leasing, you can do your day job here at Stream and continue to do that. And we'll at provide a at a high level and a competitive level in the market. But if, if down the road you've got an itch to maybe you're an office guy who wants to try your hand at industrial or maybe you want to you know develop a deal someday, um, this is a unique platform that allows that at some point, right? So it's kind of like, come over, prove that you're good at what you say you're good at. Let's make some money together. And then let's get creative down the road together. Um, and I think that's a unique offering, both for our clients and for potential people who are looking for a new opportunity for a workplace. And that's amazing. I mean, in your business, you know, in the tenant rep business specifically, right? You can get pigeonholed and it makes sense to lock yourself in, you build your relationships and those relationships fuel your career. Uh, but having that opportunity for uh, reinvention, uh, self-discovery, you know, over the course of your career as opportunities present themselves, uh, that's a tremendous opportunity. Brian, uh, circling back to the investment management platform, or it can be any manner of collaboration uh, at Stream, uh, you know, one of the things that Phil and I have found at Ice Miller, it's a similar setup in that, you know, we are, a, a, you know, relative to the larger players, we're fairly small, uh, but we have talent across practice groups, but the, the size allows us to identify the right person right away to serve the client. So maybe talk a little bit uh, with us about those collaborative opportunities you guys have had across offices or those that you envision in the future and how, uh, how your size and your scale uh, may be a, yet another differentiator for being able to deliver services to your clients, you know, in a way that's maybe more timely or more responsive than you could on a bigger platform. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I don't know if it's necessarily more timely and more responsive, but it's just a more creative way to provide solutions. So for instance, um, you know, what, what you're talking about collaborating across the platform, across offices and across, you know, potential service lines, right? Our investment management uh, business operates 
on its own right, but also looks to service professionals like Patrick and myself to identify potential opportunities for the investment management platform, right? And so very quickly after coming over here, uh, we've been able to identify through some, some of our tenant representation clients opportunities for the investment management platform. And by that, I mean, maybe a specific uh, client has a need that is quite unique and that that need might not be able to be met by the current market. And so we're able to go in and identify potential opportunities where we can acquire uh, an asset on their behalf and redevelop it or acquire a, a piece of land and develop a custom built facility on their behalf. And that allows us to unlock opportunities on behalf of clients that, you know, maybe don't exist in today's market. Um, and so because of that, we're then cross pollinating with our development services group. We're cross pollinating with our investment management group. We're cross pollinating in some cases with our industrial group. If we have a client who needs a specific, you know, a unique industrial requirement. Um, so it allows all those, di those different food groups within stream to really work together to provide the best custom solution for a client rather than what might've typically been a straightforward lease. Um, it allows us to go unlock unique opportunities that the market might not bear in its current state. Yeah. To dive a little deeper and simple, simplify even more. It's like, we've got a client right now who their existing facility is not functional for their current business. It's slowing them down. They're losing money and time. It's an industrial function. So the value add to them and what we offer through our tenant rep services on an industrial national level mixed with our industrial development services team and potentially our investment management fund is we can help them come up with a workplace solution for their what a proper supply chain and distribution and manufacturing process looks like, workflow solution, and then identify a new site, site selection, potentially build them a new site, and then acquire their old site and redevelop that on our own behalf. That's a one-stop shop for somebody what who would have to hire three people to do that for them. So it's the strategic planning, it's the development services, it's the site selection, it's the tenant representation, um, and then also, very simply put, the capital solution to get them out of their current site. <laughs> it's done. Where do I sign? <laughs> I think a lot of businesses are discussing a lot about the return to work. Um, kind of just funny because I remember doing a podcast that Brian set me up with, uh, you know, back in April of 2020 about the return to work. But here we are. <laughs> I'm asking you guys about it, you know, 11 months later. But I think actually people might start returning to work a little bit more often in the next. Yeah, well, it's, it's, Biden says we'll be vaccinated by, or there'll be enough by May. So let's call it. Let's call it late spring, early summer. Um, what do you, you know? What is what are you guys talking about out in the field? When you talk to clients, uh, building owners, when you're talking to prospective tenants, uh, how, how does office look for you? Uh, yeah. Look. I think the key that we're, I'm going to take this from more like the landlord representation side, ownership side. I think the key for landlords um, as clients figure out their, you know, their return to work or however it's going to look is just flexibility. That's, that's the key 
uh, we're, we're stressing with our clients um, is, you, you know, this isn't necessarily a traditional landlord market. Uh, we need to find ways to be flexible as people are finding solutions to bring people back uh, in a safe environment. Um, so whether that is being flexible with the literal safety and health of your building, or it's being flexible with the, the deal terms, uh, being the, the term of the lease, uh, the, the concessions of the lease, the rate, everything need to be flexible to meet the market. Uh, and it's what uh, folks like Brian are requiring on the tenant side. And I mean, perfect. I mean, throw me a softball. Thank you. Uh, it It is exactly the same thing, right? I think all the folks that we're looking talking to on the tenant side are requesting the exact same things that Patrick just lined out, except not except, but, you know, in, in addition to it's all about the flex flexibility of the workplace, right? And so instead of tenants re requiring their folks and their employees to come back for their heads down work that needs to be done in the four walls of the office, the office landscape in the workplace is going to transform to more of a center point of a gathering, social gathering place to bring people into the office and to engage with their workforce to continue to keep that, the mold of the culture intact, um, right? Because at the end of the day, when you talk to organizations across the country, and you, I'm sure you've read it in the news as well, is you know, productivity hasn't necessarily dropped, but what has dropped is the sense of culture and the sense of being and the stickiness to the business that is trying to drive uh, as a result of you know, the lack of the office place. And so you know, the office certainly is not dead. What it is doing, though, is transforming. Um, and so the work from home policies are definitely here to stay. Those will be expanded. There will be flexible needs for flexible offerings for employees to go touch down, maybe not at the corporate headquarters in the middle of the loop, but at more versatile locations in and around the loop or out in the suburbs. Um, it is definitely changing. And it'll be more about, like I said, the social gathering to bring people together rather than the heads down work. Let's talk specifically then. I think Phil alluded to it. So, you know, there's a, a release on the your most re a recent engagement at 620 North LaSalle, which references, emphasizes flexibility, the implementation of your rapid offices platform. If we're thinking specifically about an asset, what does it look like on the ground uh, in terms of recruiting tenants to an office building, um, you know, kind of uh, educating landlords on what that market looks like and and how, you know, without going in, you know, giving away the store, how, how you envision executing it at, at a property like 620 North LaSalle? So I'm going to let Patrick take that. That's our platform, Rapid. It's a national platform for Stream. Um, that is a new flex solution that we're offering to a lot of our landlord clients in a way to di diversify the asset uh, and offer a flex solution to tenants coming in. So I'll let Patrick talk about Rapid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the unique part of 620 North LaSalle, which um, our colleague Adam Showalter is really running point on and was his brainchild is that in that building, it was a perfect setup for the full offering of what Rapid Office delivers. So uh, Rapid Office was founded by uh, one of our managing partners in our Atlanta office, Ben Hott, um, over a year ago, uh, after he had had a tour with Microsoft's uh, real estate person down in Atlanta. And, you know, he toured and he said, what do you think of this big spec suite? And the guy from Microsoft was like, you know, I love it, but I, I need space tomorrow. Um, and he's like, I'm going to end up having to go to WeWork. And as much as I don't like that, 
Uh, and people are going to be trying to get jobs from our people being <laughs> it's Microsoft and a WeWork. Uh, it's just, it's available tomorrow and it's plug and play. And a light bulb kind of went off in Ben's head and was like, we have to find a way as a service provider to meet the market here and, and provide ready to go space. that's a little more, uh, simple from an ease of transaction standpoint. So he came up with rapid, which, uh, is really a B2B platform. So on the rapid website, you can literally go lease space. Um, so it sort of has a technology element to it where, we came up with a short form lease as opposed to a traditional 80 page lease document uh, that we're all used to in the real estate business negotiating with folks like you guys uh, and seems just like old hat to us. But to a new tenant or a corporate real estate person, it's, it's kind of a pain in the butt. And uh, real estate is a it's a cost center typically that they use to uh, drive revenue through talent retention. What we did was short form lease B2B online platform where you can see space tour space, setup tours, and then it's the combination of spec suites meets short form leasing. Uh, so we typically do one to three year deals on that short form lease. Um, and then it allows us as a new brand to go and take a building and say, hey, we've got these spec suites that are ready to go. They're on our rapid office platform. You should come see them. So I'll give you two ends of the spectrum. Uh, our first client locally that, that bid on Rapid was Angelo Gordon and White Oak at 200 West Jackson. They had four big blocks of vacancy uh, that had been vacant for some time. Two were second generation in good shape. Two were white box, uh, which is just, you know, completely bare except for, um, you know, drywall that's been painted white. So we said we'd like to do some speculative demo on the two spaces that are second generation. Uh, make them ready to go spec suites that just need furnishings um, and just brand them on our rapid office platform. They didn't want to do a short form lease, but they were allowing us to offer it on a short term basis. That allowed us to go to market, call our friends on the tenant rep side of the world and say, you should come see these spaces. We just finished these spec suites. The landlord will actively do a shorter term deal given the market conditions. We leased the full ninth floor there in less than, we were in lease in less than 60 days for 17 plus thousand square feet. Now, 620 North LaSalle, that's a former Spaces, which is Regis's brand of uh, kind of cooler, competitive WeWork space, a little more creative office. That lease they had with Spaces um, went away because of the bankruptcy with Regis. So they had floors that were traditional office and combined with co-working. Now, what the rapid platform offers that owner and our client Next Realty is instead of having to go find a co-working operator and a leasing firm, we can do all of it. So we will operate the old co-working floors as a co-working facility. And then on the remaining traditional lease floors, we will both market them on short term leases and traditional leases on a longer term, three years, five years, seven years, 10 years, if the tenant comes along. On top of that, we'll property manage it. So again, one-stop shop solution uh, for uh, an issue and a need in the market. Well, and to dove, you know, to kind of circle back to you know core values and the stream proposition, right? The nature of the the short-term lease, the interconnectedness of the services being provided, suggests that you know without a strong personal relationship, you know these landlords are really. Um, 
you know, committing committing to streams talent and innovation, uh, you know, to kind of achieve their goals at these properties in a way that's different from a, you know, a typical tenant rep situation where you're signing up a 10 year lease and then you're gone for a while. You know, there is a real investment, you know, it seems to be at least a real investment from your platform in the continued success on the day to day, you know, of those buildings. And so, um, you know, it's great for the landlord and it's great for you in terms of developing a stickiness and a uh, a reputation, you know, among that, uh, you know, among that group of, of property owners. So that's really tremendous. That's the goal. But like, where do us lawyers make fees if the leases are already <laughs> short? Like, I, I feel like we could tweak this model in such a way. <laughs> Badger, we got to fix it. Yeah, we're going to have to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm reading the, like a we the WeWork book about, billion dollar loser it's pretty interesting and what i like about that rapid office platform is it is it's a nice middle ground between a co-working space and saying no like we're a, a, a company that needs its own space yet you know especially right now like everything is so variable people are having a hard time seeing around the corner and getting a clear view out of what five ten years down the road looks like do they really want to suck up huge tenant improvement allowances so that they can, you know, they'll be obligated to pay back over the, the term of the lease. Do they want to undertake construction? You know, there's there's a lot of people that don't want those things, um, but yet don't want to do co-working. All, I mean, also probably I, I would imagine that COVID has, uh, has hurt a lot of people's view of co-working and in the way that we they've probably improved the process but in the way that we knew of it two three four years ago um so i like this creative solution that that's emerged that you guys have put together thank you yeah i mean look it's it's kind of putting the real estate back in the hands of real estate professionals um i think what co-working exposed in our marketplace for the positive is that um you know there's a need for flexible office solutions um, you know, the pitch for WeWork and Industrious and some of the big players that they did a really, really good sales and branding job of was like, come be a part of this culture and grow. And the pitch to the landlord as a leasing person putting a co-working in a building was always, hey, you know, this is going to be a plus for you because those tenants are going to they're going to come out and go direct with you when they need more space. And we can just tell you, we lived it. We were in Industrious for over a year uh, and the first half of the pandemic and when it really came down to it when when things were tough uh in in the first couple months of covid they weren't that flexible with us they didn't once say hey you should call the landlord and see if you can get a direct deal here uh and and that's you know things were crazy and they were trying to figure out their model and i think that we all believe as quickly as uh co-working rose it can quickly come back because of that because really why people go there why we went there was the flexibility, the ability to get into cool space quickly and easily and not have to worry about buying coffee, getting sodas for the fridge, buying paper towels and toilet paper for my office, all the stuff that comes along that is really time consuming and expensive for tenants, they've solved and they made it and wrapped it in a really cool package and put a bow on it. And that's the part of co-working and office for that matter that isn't going to go away. People want that factor, the ability to retain talent, to enjoy the space you're in. Uh, so it's done some positives for our market. 
You know, as we're, we're coming to the end of our podcast, we had a couple of rapid fire, you know, state of the office market questions for you. You know, Brian, you know, aside from, you know, generally speaking, flexibility, uh, I agree that um, what I miss the most is the collegiality involved in, in seeing my coworkers in the office. What innovations in, in the tenant experience, you know, taking into account, obviously, um, you know, the health and safety protocols that may need to be a part of the workplace for a while, but but what innovations have tenants requested or sought, you know, during in response to the pandemic that you see being more prevalent in a post pandemic uh, dynamic? Um, aside from certain, which we all loved talking about uh, seven months ago, aside from new focus on the force majeure clause that no one paid attention to before March of twenty twenty. <laughs> Um, aside from that, but more physical, more physical, uh, amenities, you know, like Patrick said, the health and safety, all of that, quite honestly, what a lot of folks are also looking for is like the touchless entry, the ease of access, the technology in the buildings, um, as you're getting into the building, how you're interacting with the building technology has definitely been pronounced as an amenity coming out of the pandemic. You know, you see a lot of smart buildings out there that were starting to, kick off the trend pre-pandemic, but I think the pandemic and post-pandemic has only amplified the need for quote-unquote smart buildings, healthy buildings. Um, and then aside from that, I think another big piece that tenants are thinking about in the design of their space, you know, historically, the organization might separate the employee experience from the client experience. So the lunchroom might be tucked away back in the corner of the space whereas the presentation room and conference room is up in the front of the space. Now, more and more conversations are centering around bringing that all into one and putting that all up towards the front of the space. Again, uh, maximizing the social gathering aspect and collaboration aspect of the space. And then also keeping, that, that's one piece. The other piece too is also the health and safety of it, right? Like keep all of your heads down workspace towards the back and then bring all of your employee and client experience space to the front of the space. Cause then you're also starting to minimize circulation and flow of people traffic throughout the space. And so from a design perspective, I think that's probably the biggest thing, but even more so more people are focusing in on the technology of buildings and smart buildings. You guys have obviously bet on Chicago as a market. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts, either Patrick or Brian, on the urban versus suburban dynamic for office. You know, pre-pandemic, there was a flow, you know, from the suburbs into the city centers. During pandemic and post-pandemic, there's discussions about the importance potentially of satellite offices in the suburbs to cut down commute, cut down need for mass transit. How do you envision this shaking out years one, two, and five, you know, once we get clear of the pandemic? Uh, yeah, great question. Uh, definitely on the top of a lot of people's minds. Look, as it stands today, uh, we have a significant amount of market share of third-party office leasing in Chicagoland. You know, Chicago since last March has seen over 5 million feet of sublet vacancy go on the, on the market just downtown, another roughly 3 million in the suburbs. Um, I think one of the things you want to point, we would point out about the city versus the suburbs. You know, yes, the urbanization trend happened in Chicago very easily because of our mass transit, because of the strong labor force, because of the highly educated with labor force that wanted the live, work, play 24 hour city that Chicago is. There's very few other places that offer that, along with a very diverse, robust economy. Uh, that can take blows in certain uh, sectors and still be picked up by others. 
you look at us versus like a Houston, not to pick on them, but very heavily, uh, you know, focused on energy. Uh, and so when that when oil goes down, that's a tough office market to be in. But Chicago has a resiliency and always has uh, to, to battle through tough times. And I think like that, uh, the city will prevail. Uh, the beauty of our business also is even in down markets, there's transactions because there's solutions that need to be uh, figured out. And we're the service providers to help our clients provide those solutions and figure them out. For us, having the best talent to capture those opportunities and figure them out for our clients is, is paramount. And as far as whether there's going to be satellite offices uh, in the suburbs, there absolutely will be. Uh, but do we really feel like there's going to be a mass exodus of the city uh, back to corporate campuses? Um, we, we really don't. Uh, I think that if, if the millennial generation has proven anything and the following generation will as well, it's that the cities are our heartbeat of, of our country and it's where people want to be connected to. And a lot of the older millennial generation will do the same thing that um, everyone before us has done and start to move to the suburbs. But I think they'll, for the most part, a lot will be focused on inner ring suburbs uh, where they still have that connectivity and ability to pop into the city for a great restaurant or a Michelin rated place uh, for dinner. So those are my personal thoughts. Um, I, I don't know, Brian, if you have anything you want. to. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's all I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Listen, it. Chicago city, city, urban CBD versus suburban. Um like you pointed out, Jay, is certainly a hot topic right now. And is there going to, there's been a mass suburban to urban migration, especially in Chicago. And is there going to be a reverse of that? No, don't think so. It's still obviously way too early into the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic to tell. Uh, we've certainly seen a mass exodus in the residential market and from a living perspective in the suburban residential market, everything you read, it seems to be an absolute fire of folks moving out of the city and out to the suburbs. However, at the end of the day, the anchor of the corporate offices in the city are for a lot more reasons rather than just close to residents. You know, a lot of execs for numbers of years have always been commuting into the city and we don't see that change or that trend changing. Um, the satellite offices, yes, I do think that there is a world where you will start to see certain organizations open up or pop up uh, much smaller satellite offices in the suburbs so that when you got to drop into the office for a meeting on a Monday instead of going all the way downtown, yes, you can do that. And I think that goes directly back to our conversation earlier about flexible work solutions. You know, instead of having to commute all the way downtown to the mothership for one meeting, you might just pop into your office that's in Oak Brook for the day. Um, so yes, I do think that there's probably going to be some form of that. I don't think there's been an incredible uptick in that just yet, but I do believe that there is a place for that to have some staying power as we all return to the office in, in a post-pandemic world. Uh, one thing that I will say that I thought was a really intelligent point or thoughtful point uh, I heard a couple weeks ago was Listen, the, the talent that is going to be bringing everyone back into the office and the, the generations and the groups of folks that is bringing everyone into the office and yearning for the, to get back into the office is truthfully the younger workforce, right? The older workforce who has their book of business settled, who has, has the relationships, has 
has their work streams and workflows all figured out because they've been doing whatever they've been doing for 30 years, they're perfectly content at home. They got plenty of space. They've got all the technology they need. They're perfectly content at home. The workforce uh, that's going to drive people back to the office is the younger workforce that has been yearning to get back into the office for a sense of belonging, mentorship. They might be crammed into a smaller apartment at home. They might have the night, have the technology that they have at home. On the same token of that, that younger workforce bringing everyone back in, into the office is also keeping everyone into the city. That younger workforce is living and breathing and going out and playing in the city as they're you know, searching for a partner. And they want to be in the city to find that partner before they go settle down in the suburbs. And so the city has an incredible staying power, especially the city of Chicago. And we're excited to see how it transforms uh, over the next two, three, five, seven, ten years. I was going to say, look, we don't have a crystal ball like anybody else, but uh, we're certainly believers in the city. Um, and yeah, our latest uh, recruitment move with uh, that great team is is a perfect example of what we're anticipating and what we're banking on. Well, this has been a tremendous conversation. We've really appreciated it. Uh, Patrick Russo and Brian Duffy, thanks so much for joining the Real Estate for Breakfast podcast. We look forward to seeing you down the road. Beautiful. Thanks, thanks so much. This publication is intended for general information purposes only and does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. The listener should consult with legal counsel to determine how laws or decisions discussed herein apply to the listener's specific circumstances.